All right, everybody. Welcome to the 96-Person Bringer podcast. I am your host, Brian Stoops. From the age of 7 to 24, I was a magician in Southern California. Then for the next 20, 21 years, I focused on courting my wife, marrying my wife, raising our kids, intensely studying the martial arts, and being a professional educator. I'm still deeply involved with all those things, but a few years after moving to New York City in 2020, I started stand-up comedy. I've had some interesting results along the way. That brings us to the 96-Person Bringer podcast. I get to have an insightful, hour-long conversation with my comedian friends. Before we get to the good stuff, wherever you're watching this or listening to this, if you can give a like and a follow or a, a subscribe, we definitely appreciate it, and it definitely does matter. All right, on to the important stuff and the good stuff. When I was thinking about guests, possible guests, uh, I got exactly what I wanted for a first guest. The only reason I was my own host and guest on the first episode is so I had the, the episode so people could take a look at the format. Uh, this comedian, I've had her on two of my shows. This has been fairly recently I met her on the first show. I thought she was super funny. I enjoyed our conversations behind the scenes and in message threads. She's a very good writer, a prolific writer above and beyond her excellent writing in stand-up. And I thought she would make an amazing guest. Please welcome Val Bodertha to the 96-Person Bringer podcast. Hi, Val. Hello. Uh, very excited to be here. Thank you first and foremost for pronouncing my last name correctly. That is, we're already off to an incredible start, like, you know, surpassing expectations. So bravo. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned before we started, this is a little bit new to me, so I appreciate the praise. So our first 15 minutes we want to hear about your background, how you started in comedy, milestones, things like that. Kind of catch us up on how you got started, how things are going, uh, whatever else you'd like to promote, uh, and where we can catch you on social media. Although the last 10 minutes of the show will remind everybody of where they can follow you and where they can keep up with you. So probably the majority of the time, think about really letting us know who you are and what your background is in comedy. And we're going to start this up just to keep us honest and keep us at about an hour. Take it away. Wow. So I just want our listeners to know there is a timer. There's a timer counting down for just, just so I don't get a little too full of myself. I only have 15 minutes to talk about myself, uh, which is fucked up. Like I, like I'm a stand up. I want much more time than that. No. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I started off in stand up. I guess I'll just start from chronologically. Uh, I was part of Gotham Comedy Club's teen showcase, uh, which a lot of people don't know exists, which is, you know, maybe that's a good thing that we don't want to, not a lot of people know that you can see teenagers do stand up about like homework or broccoli or whatever they're upset about. Uh, so I was like 13 and I just sort of took to it. I just really liked it. And I, you know, the classic thing of like, oh, I wasn't, you know, that well socially accepted, but this was sort of my way to uh, feel like I knew what I was doing in a, in a social setting. 
And uh, so then I went to high school. I kept up with the stand-up. I started dabbling in writing. So I would like write little, little skits. I started an improv club. Like you sort of, you, you know, you cover your bases. You know, you know how it is. You took martial arts. That's a vital step in stand-up comedy. And just the comedy world is doing a martial art. Though actually, you want to know something? I do... There's like a dude bro contingent within stand-up that is, I, they are into martial arts, I feel like now. Like, I feel like a Joe Rogan type. Right. I've, you know, I've they're all kind of mimicking. Art. Yeah. Right? Do you feel, do, were you into martial arts before comedy? Yes. You were, right? Okay, yes. so it happened first. Yes, but I know what you're talking about, and I, and I know the archetype specifically, and I think you're exactly right. There's a similar archetype archetype of women who are into music and comedy. They're kind of like blending the. They're both very both about the two. Anyway, this is uh, unrelated. Do you use your martial arts in your stand-up at all? <laughs> do you do like a, a flip? I would love that. Not not so much. I mean, maybe just just the whole aspect of like being up in front teaching people which is also what I do as an educator, but so far so, so good and no like fending off angry audience members uh, thus far. That's important. That's yeah. very, we, we bounced someone. I had a show on Thursday. We had to bounce someone. Um, she got up on stage and asked if she, if anybody wanted to hear her sing. Oh man. Yeah. I told you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a thing. I wish I had your martial arts skills in that moment. <laughs> she was a foot taller than me too. So I was like, I was, I was brave. I was like, Okay, come on, you're out of here. You're out of here. Come on, time to go. But I was in inside. I was like, get out, please. I was like, so I was, I was shaking to my core every single time. Um, anyway, so Gotham Comedy Club started there. Then I went to U Chicago for undergrad. Kept doing stand up there. Produced my own shows at the Revival, and I joined Off Off Campus, which is the sort of oldest collegiate sketch and improv troupe in America. This guy, Bernie Sollins, he founded it coming from Second City. So he sort of started this whole contingent, uh, this whole cohort at U Chicago for undergrads to do improv and stand up. And I get not stand up, just sketch. So uh, then after four years there, I graduated. I stuck around Chicago for one more year. I sort of worked uh, at this charity called Poverty Alleviation Charities, aka Letters to Santa, uh, doing sort of producing live comedy events. And then I moved back to New York. Uh, I signed my lease February 2020, classic. I just am a genius, right? Uh, and then pandemic hit, I took a big old break, but I started writing humor pieces. And uh, then, you know, as pandemic alleviated, I was able to sort of jump back in uh, about a year later. I, I, I sort of started from the ground up, you know, like I didn't have any New York connections anymore. Like, all the other kids in comedy kids the at Gotham, they had all like aged out and gotten real jobs. Uh, so there wasn't really a community here, but I, I found, I started a mic at, at young Ethel's and everybody there was super, super nice and just like took me in. And uh, before I knew it, I was part of bomb shelter comedy, which runs weekly shows uh, all over. And uh, it's been, it's been really, really nice. New York comedy scene is much nicer than the other cities I've been to. I think the for, for standup specifically. Um, sort of adjacent to all of that has been uh, my writing career. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of writing. I, like I said, humor pieces. I'm published in like McSweeney's and Belladonna and all of those. And I also, I write screenplays. So uh, my first screenplay was optioned this year. Everything I write has like a funny slant. Uh, it's always going to have jokes in it, even if it's sort of like a horror project or something like that. Cause I do love horror as well. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I just continue to write like pilots and screenplays, mostly sort of like dark humor, dark comedy, kind of like your uh, the best comps I've heard so far. Barry on HBO is sort of my style, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, a little bit more feminine maybe. And I do have one very silly heist movie about three Jewish women um, pulling a heist on a Swiss bank to steal back Nazi gold. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's based off of a true story uh, of the Swiss bank stealing the Nazi gold, not of anybody stealing it back, unfortunately. Not yet, not yet. But I have two friends who are also Jewish and I'm trying to convince them to to jump on. The, the, the screenplay is a screenplay and it won a bunch of awards and whatever, but it is mostly just like a roadmap for me and my friends and how we're going to do this. So... That's how we get to today. That's how. And then, oh, um, and then I was walking in my neighborhood, which is Long Island City in Queens. And I noticed that somebody was producing a comedy show at a bar near me. And I was like, oh my God, like, thank God there's no comedy in LIC. So I reach out to the person who's doing it. And I'm like, hey, tell me how this goes. Like, tell me how it is. Are people here nice? How are the crowds? Let me know everything. And that turned out to be Brian. And that's how we met. <laughs> awesome. And, um, they, <laughs> that venue continued to have comedy shows without me. We wish them well. Um, <laughs> I, I, you, well, you were, weren't you sick? What happened? Something happened. It, it, it was very early. It was, it was maybe one of the first external shows that I tried to produce at a venue and it went okay. I, I guess the venue maybe thought differently. So they're working with other people. Oh, I thought I thought you meant when I booked you. The first time I booked you, you had to drop oh, out because you were sick. Yeah, no, that's true. This uh, is your Ellen um, Dakota Johnson moment, where I'm like, actually, Ellen, <laughs> I did. You you were sick, Ellen. Right. So right, do you remember right, that? Uh, I no. will not take that. Do you think you can out guilt me? Do you think you can? You, I speak guilt so fluently. Like hell no, <laughs> hell no. We got eight minutes on the clock left for this question, and I'm going to use it entirely to guilt you. <laughs> No, you went. My uh, birthday was this week. Where were you? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> no. Uh, so I misunderstood. No. So that, yes, that first time you booked me, I had COVID. That was my. Right. I've heard of that. Uh, I have a doctor's note. I can, I sent that to my okay. employer. I, I can reset. Where was I? <laughs> I, I apologize. I just Good. got lost in the, in the HR chain. So, um, yeah. Well. Long story short, Brian was kind enough to book me twice, um, despite not having really seen me live or like knowing if I was an asshole. Like we kind of just like connected about this one show in LIC, me hoping it went well uh, and hoping that there could someone could establish like a comedy contingent out here. Uh, so, yeah, that was it was very nice of you to book me twice. I I like that you sent me some clips. They were funny. Um you showed up on time. You were nice. You were funny. People I, who are trying to get into comedy, you don't realize what a big deal that is. Someone who shows up on time and doesn't like verbally berate you. <laughs> Those are your, if you're a little nice, I will book you on my show. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, the the second time was sort of by virtue of that other show got handed off to me by another comedian and it sounded like you were sort of on a list that you were owed a spot. And I was like, oh, Val's cool and funny and punctual and not a jerk. Uh, yeah, let's let's make that happen. So I love that. Um, love that list. Yeah. So that that second time was a was a no brainer. 
Above and beyond bombshell comedy, where can people keep up with you and your writing and comedy goings on? Ooh, okay. Well, bombshell comedy is an amazing name for a show. I were I'm with Bomb Shelter Comedy Show. I'm so Gav. sorry. Thank no, you it's, it's all good. Bombshell. If anybody wants that, it's out there now, and it's great. Um, I do I I do worry about putting the the word bomb in the name of the show. Like, you know, what if it's like a bad omen or something? But yes. so far we've been inoculated from all bombs. It's been, it's been a good series you, of shows. I'm I'm sorry. To, how did you come up with the name of Bomb Shelter? Please excuse me. How did you come up with the name of that show? How did you name your show? It's not my show. Well, it's, it's I joined the team. It's Matt Azark and Jeff Cerulli started it like six years ago. They've been running it for years uh it's it's been like a mainstay of hell's kitchen you probably passed by the gaff in hell's kitchen they're there every thursday at eight uh they are amazing i love those two guys they're like so good at what they do and they they run a hell of a show oh and it's free too which is amazing i feel like i can actually invite my friends whereas you do some of these other shows it's like a two drink minimum and a this and a that and it's it's a lot like a 25 dollar yes. head thing and it's just too much so bomb shelter comedy show definitely follow them on instagram you can follow me val badertha nyc my last name is spelled b-o-d-u-r-t-h-a it is spelled like it sounds um and you know it's I, I would change it but it's my dad's name and i just know he would be so proud of me if he knew i was using it for anything other than stand-up comedy so i'm keeping awesome. it um, and this is probably a good little, I, I am actually doing that show this coming Thursday. So this episode will get released on Monday, October 16th. And then I believe the 16th, 17th, 8th, that's the 19th of October, um, is, is looking forward. Yes, to you can see, show. yeah, you can see Brian, uh, on the lineup, uh, if he doesn't get COVID again, right. Fingers right. crossed. Yeah. So no, hopefully that doesn't, that doesn't occur again. Um, any, anything else, anything else we should know anything else or should we move on? What do you think? I think we can probably move on. Awesome. Okay. Um, so we are going to jump to the water. Yeah. So who Val, who are your comedic influences and what do they mean to you? And we're going to run a five-minute timer on this. Again, not to – we don't want to give you PTSD. Um, nobody's going to flash a light here, but I, I think an hour is a good amount of time for an episode, so we're going to stick to that. So five minutes and take it away. Uh, yeah, so my comedic influences, my first one was probably Steve Martin, mm -hmm. the, the comedian. I mean, I'm – I was obsessed with him from a very young age. You know those, um, I don't know if you've seen that video of that dog who's like transfixed by um, the guy who plays the Witcher, Henry Cavill. This yeah. dog, this like French French bulldog is obsessed with Henry Cavill. And like you put anyone else on the screen, you you put like anyone who looks anyone somewhat like Henry Cavill on the screen, dog doesn't care. Dog's only here for Henry Cavill. Um that's how I was with Steve Martin as like eight years old. Like I was just really into everything he was doing. My parents showed me his stand up. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just obsessed with all of it. Like, let's get small. It's so good. Um, I also love his banjo music. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I love Bright Star. I love his bluegrass albums. He's, he's just like incredible. Mm. 
I'm not sure if he's necessarily my influence though. He's the one who tickles me the most. Okay. He is so weird and he's like such a comedian's comedian because he deconstructs it and puts it back together, but it's still so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the best example of sub, you know, subversive alt comedy mm-hmm. pretty much of all time. Uh, and then, you know, you have your like classics, like your George Carlin and your, you know, like the you know, Joan Rivers, they, they were sort of more my style. Uh, but so today my favorite comics are, I'll just rattle a few off, like Pete Holmes, Taylor Tomlinson, I think is really funny. Uh, you know, anybody who's sort of out there doing sort of more observational stuff. I love like a Dimitri Martin. I love anybody like that. Mike Birbiglia is obviously super, super funny. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I, I have pretty wide ranging tastes maybe is a good way of putting it. Oh, Eddie Izzard or Susan Izzard. Uh, Susan Izzard now is amazing. Susie Izzard. So good. Uh, and, uh, but I think, so I, I like more of a weird style to consume to just like rattle my cage, you know, but in terms of wh- where I actually go for comedic inspiration myself, uh, I fall more on the side of like genre parody. Like I will actually consume the content that I am parodying in order to be inspired by it. Mm-hmm. So all of my pilots, for example, are all genre parodies. My heist movie is, I watched Ocean's Eleven a million times. My my zombie, I have a zombie pilot that's like a send up of the zombie genre. Of course, I watched all the zombie movies in existence. Uh, serial killer comedies. I do that. So I watched, you know, like the Dahmer stuff. It was, you know, it's a good time. So I love consuming the actual content. And when I'm writing stand-up, which is more specifically about me, I'm drawing that from my own life. I'm drawing it from my experiences uh, in New York, living in New York, having, you know, an interesting time. Or like, I I like to talk about Netflix on stage. I love to talk about just like what's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I will just sort of consume the content that then I want to, to turn on its head. And that's usually where I find the inspiration. Um, I also, I talk with my friends a lot about, you know, I have a lot of friends I write comedy with yeah. and just shooting ideas back and forth is usually the best way to, to flesh them out. That's awesome. It's more homegrown than being like beaming inspiration directly from Steve Martin into my head. Gotcha. No, that's great. Um, very random. My, this, cause this is not a Steve Martin movie. I think most people mentally jump to uh, my grandparents had the man with two brains on VHS, oh, yeah. and I I didn't quite realize until and I just used to watch it over and over and over again, and I mean from a very young age, and it took me a couple of years to really realize how bizarre, but I mean brilliant, absolutely brilliant, um, especially as a genre send up, um, just so I and I was just talking about that movie with uh, a couple people who are big Steve Martin fans because it's just kind of an under under the radar Steve Martin movie um but really yeah. yeah he he bounces off of like a Lily Tomlin so well yes uh wait I want to sh- can I show you something I'm gonna show yeah. you something one sec I'm gonna turn my camera off because I'm wearing shorts one sec. <laughs> yeah I got you Ta-da. oh wow glare this is in my room i've had it with me for like years it is signed that's awesome uh, i wake up in the morning and i look at this which i know is a little psychotic <laughs> i don't but this I, is you recognize the reference right yes oh yes yeah that's uh is that cyrano yeah yeah, yeah. roxanne which is Rocket, Rox, that, right that's his roxanne yeah, cyrano is the, yes. the original yeah 
Roxanne with he's so uh, good. He classes up the joint, you know, while still being totally fucking crazy. Yeah, he's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, we are going to roll merrily along and move on to our next question here. So doing stand-up is hard. Why do you do it? What keeps motivating you? The attrition rate is phenomenal. Why do you keep coming back? Why do you love it? Why do you do it? Five minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, stand-up is hard. Um, but it also kind of isn't if you don't care. <laughs> Uh, it's, if you truly are just there for you, if you're just on stage having a good time, you know, that everybody there wants to have a good time. Even if it's two people in the audience, like they're there, they didn't, they could have left. If they leave, then I'll give up and go home. But if there's two people in the audience, like, let's just chat. Let's just have a funny time. Let's, let's get to the, to get to the, the gist of like what the fuck we're doing. You know, I like to get up there and I'm like, you guys care about comedy more than I do. That's sort of the joke I'll make if it's like a shitty bar show and there's two people in the audience um yeah i just feel like as long as you're having fun it it, it should be fun um producing stand-up is hard making sure and i know you know this because brian like i said is a very well organized dude so that takes a lot of effort it takes like a ton of effort to just like put everything together ahead of time and then you're worried and then did you put enough marketing effort in and yada 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 it's like actually making it happen is the thing that's tricky um but if you if you do all that, if you're willing to do all of that and you surround yourself with funny people who you can trust to get up on stage and they'll do 10 minutes and it will be good. Like they will try. Actually, it doesn't even have to be good. They just have to try. That's how <laughs> that's how my tastes have changed throughout, you know, doing this for so long. I've been doing it for like if you count from the beginning, 13 years. So like, yeah, I used to be such a snob about oh, is it funny? Is it funny? Is it getting laughs? And all that's very important. But I think it's also really just about like who gives a shit on stage, like who's trying, but who's also having a good time. Because some comics will get up and you know, you know this, Brian, like the open mic circuit, anybody who's listening to this knows the open mic circuit, people get up and they have not prepared a goddamn thing. Right. And I think there's nothing more insulting than that. Like I'm giving you my time, I'm giving you my attention. Right. So for me, it's really just about like honoring that when audience members take the time out of their day to come to like a shitty bar show, like whatever, like it's, let's, let's make it worth it. Let's make it the best shitty bar show they've ever seen. For sure. Uh, and then I have a good time. Everybody has a good time. Uh, I've been doing a lot of crowd work recently, which has been a lot of fun. I always stayed away from crowd work for like the first, you know, 10 years. Like I, I stayed away from crowd work. So it's been a lot of fun to like open that up and for it to be more of a dynamic moving target thing. And it's not just, you write a joke, you recite it. You write a joke, you recite it. You write a new one, cycle that in. Like it's more, more of a moving target. I also think that um, Hollywood moves really slow, uh, and I have all these pilots that I'd love to get made. And I have like I have a short film I did, uh, which features Paul Giamatti called Wax Paul Now. Would actually love that if the listeners could go to waxpaulnow.com and sign our petition. It's a movement to get Paul Giamatti uh, his own wax statue at Madame Tussauds. It's a real movement. We did, my friends and I did start it. These are the same two girls I want to start and want to do a bank heist with. Wow. Uh, and so we did actually, you know, petition and it was featured on the late show with Stephen Colbert, the movement. Wow. And after that, Madame Tussauds like started paying attention to us. They didn't give us the, the statue. So we're still fighting. We're fighting the good fight. Uh, so I've, I've done some short film stuff, but it takes forever. It really takes like such a long time for anything to move in that world. Mm -hmm. So to have the immediate feedback of stand up, you know, you write something, 
you put it out there, you can get that immediate feedback, you can post it online. Uh, it's such a faster machine uh, in terms of being able to produce content. So I think it's all, maybe someday it won't be worth it, you know, to me, the time, the effort, the train fare. <laughs> but uh, right now, right now it's been just like a really lovely community and I don't know, you you ever have like a really bad show and you're like, oh, this was awesome. Like you, you're talking yeah. shit with other comedians and you're like, oh, this was like, look at us. We're, we have a trauma bond now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, um, so the, the most recent show you did, uh, again, I was sort of fascinated, like, is this crowd work? Is this pre-scripted? It, it was really well done. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we're recording an episode. Like I, it, it, I, so I really saw what you're talking about kind of coming out in the moment. And I mean, that audience seemed to really love it. Thank you. That was a, that was a fun crowd. Yeah. That was a really good time. Yeah. And it, it is, it is fun. And I mean, if you do get up there and it sucks, it, it is kind of great in its own way. And I think the other comedians are probably the only other people who maybe understand that. Um, definitely. So I, yeah, I agree with you. Cool stuff. All right. With eight seconds left. With eight seconds left. And I just say you agree with me a few more times. I absolutely agree with you. Just say it. Keep saying it. I love it. I agree. My ego uh, is huge. A hundred percent agree. I think that was eight seconds. So, Uh, (laughs) all right. Um, And I mean, you've spoken to this a little bit and if there's overlap, cool. If not, if you know, it's, there's no pressure Um, because again, I'm just enjoying talking to you. But what is your overall process for writing and scripting material? And you might also, since you're doing a lot of writing beyond stand-up, maybe you want to talk about your screenwriting process, some of the other um, genres in which you're writing. I don't know if you want to speak to that. It might be useful for other people as well. Yeah, I think um, the overall structure of how I create material, stand-up, humor pieces, anything, a journal entry, like it's all consumption-based first. Uh, I really, like I I try to, I keep on using that word consume, but it's, I think it's really important to consider yourself something that like needs input in order to deliver output. A lot of people sit there with that blank screen and they're like, oh God, what do I do? Like I have nothing. And they're just waiting for the muse to speak for them. And I don't think that that's where the muse speaks to us. I think the, for me, the muse has always spoken to me when I'm watching like Fast and the Furious with my friends and we're just like shit talking. Well, we love, we love Fast and the Furious. I would never besmirch, would never besmirch Fast and the Furious. I love every single one. I've seen every single one. But when you're watching like a bad movie with your friends and you know, all of you are just on fire, which first of all means that you have the right group of friends. You all understand each other. Like the right group of friends, everyone will be on fire, but it's that, um, it's that dynamic of like, you get, you get, you are fed input, which is, you know, Jason Momoa making a, a, a very strong decision about his character in, in Fast 10. Uh, and then you can sort of riff on that. So, or turn it on its head or choose what you want to do with it once you have it. So for me, like I knew I wanted to do comedy about working out. That's the bit that you're talking about where it's like almost crowd work, but not really like it, it is crowd work, by the way, it is, I asked the audience to tell me how they like to work out. And then I sort of roast whatever they say. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's like a few that are, you know, I can sort of do meta commentary cause I'm like, Oh God, people always say that. Oh yeah. CrossFit. If you were actually in CrossFit, you'd be up here taking the mic by now. No, no. Like I sort of, uh, can play with the ones that people always really want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, but I always get new ones. I consistently get new ones. And those are the ones that actually turn out the funniest. Like when someone throws out horseback riding and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, <laughs> like that's crazy that you just said that. And so it's like, because I'm keeping myself surprised, the audience is also surprised, I think is a good way to think about it. So playing with that, but also, like I said, that still came from the same structure of, I want to do something about this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do a bunch of fitness classes. I'm going to like, I, I, I do like fitness classes. Like you know, I, I do get jujitsu sometimes. What is your martial art of choice, by the way? I, I train a whole bunch of different things, but primarily, oh uh, Kundo is Bruce Lee's martial art and the Filipino martial arts is primarily a weapons system. Weapons system. Yeah. See, I can feel myself wanting to do like, <laughs> I can feel myself wanting to do the bit. <laughs> well, I've never, I haven't heard of any of those. So if you threw those out to me on stage, I would be totally stumped. I would have no idea. I would, I would probably accuse you of making them up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that would probably would be what I would do. I'd be like, yeah, okay, a weapon system. <laughs> You're like the samurai sword kid from the YouTube video all grown up. That's what I would say. That's the joke. I like it. Uh, this was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but yeah, so uh, I'll, that's more of an interplay one where it's more of a moving target with the joke is. But I will also want to do stand-up about – I have a joke about the – I know I said I like to talk about TV. I love talking about TV. I could talk about TV forever. Inside Airport Lost and Found. I knew I wanted to do stand-up about it. I watched two episodes and I just wrote notes down. By the end of it, I had a minute on Inside Airport Lost and Found once I cut everything down. So it's it's you kind of just need to consume in order to create. And um, same with all of my, I said, like my genre parody scripts. They're all like I need to know what The Last of Us is doing in order to be able to properly parody it in my zombie pilot. Right. So, gotcha. Since you mentioned it, and I'm I'm not trying seriously, not just trying to be agreeable. I love horror as a genre, I'm all, and I'm always rooting for it because they get it bad so often. What What are some of your favorite horror movies? Ah, uh, can we just talk about this forever? Like, I love horror movies. Um, my number one of all time is The Babadook. Uh, kept me well, awake all night that's the only horror movie that's ever done that uh so huge badge of honor for the babadook um and then number two is not really a horror movie but i think it's so good that i give it a pass it's get out i just think there's like not an ounce of fat on that movie i think it's incredibly well made uh and just got under my skin in like the best way yeah and uh then i love all the classics you know like i love like you know the shining that kind of thing what about you what are some of your favorites uh the original nightmare on elm street Probably my favorite. Okay, and, that's that's people um, love it. I I love. It's not a great movie, but I love the second one. I grew up with it. Um, I actually like the third one, Dream Warriors, and then New Nightmare. Absolutely awesome. Um, unpopular opinion. A horrible horror movie that I love is Blair Witch Two: Book of Shadows. <laughs> okay. I I actually like that more <laughs> than the original Blair Witch. Wow. I have not seen Book of Shadows. It's it, it's atrocious. Um, I see National but, Treasure Two: Book of Secrets. <laughs> is that the same? <laughs> uh, no, 
Um, this this is no. I love movie. I love like an offshoot horror yeah. movie. They made this for eighty k. We love them for it. Yeah, you know, it's a good time. Um, there's all kinds of stories of studio interference and and things like that. And um, yeah, absolutely. The The Shining as well is another one for me. Um, even though I'm a big Stephen King fan, I'm fascinated by the Stephen King hates the Kubrick drama mm. that's existing. Oh, Stephen King's fantastic. And oh, yeah. Stephen, Misery. Misery is yes. amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I challenge anybody to find an author that loves the act of writing as much as Stephen King. No, no, I couldn't, I couldn't come nearly close to, to a Stephen King. And, um, I have on, I'm looking at on writing right here. It's probably my oh, favorite book it. about writing. It it's, yeah, okay, cool. We, yeah. both, we both brought our copy of on writing. Good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we could do, we could do another hour. Yeah. Let's on, do a on, reading. Let's just do a reading of it. <laughs> Let's in real time, Val and Brian present. Um, so describe something you're working on right now in your comedy. You, again, you've already spoken to this a bit. Is it a bit, a skill marketing? Are you working on your hour? Like, what are you, what are you doing right now? What are you working on? Um, I'm working on consistency. Uh, I'm sort of bad about posting videos, which unfortunately has kind of become like a pretty important part of the process to discovery is like, I, I've been working on my Instagram and posting videos when I get good video, which is impossible, by the way, I, I cannot tell you how, how impossible it is to get good video. Um, this is actually, if there's any younger comics listening, always take your own video always, because I, I think clubs producers i'm sorry to say they've lost the video more times than i can count like or the audio's weird there's just there's so many factors that you can't control so get yourself a good backup get yourself a tiny iphone tripod and be like that asshole with a tiny iphone tripod uh just you'll i you will not regret it um because the the one time that you have like the best set of your life and you feel like the audience is so hot and you know, you've got your video and everything's like you said everything the way you'd want it to be cut for Instagram, which is by the way, the best way to hold yourself with artistic integrity is to do everything for Instagram. Just also side note. Uh, but you, they're going to lose the video. I promise. Uh, it's, it's that video is gone. It never, they never turned the camera on actually. <laughs> so, um, I'm working on just like recording myself and, and being discerning with what I post, of course, but like not posting once every three months, like I sort of used to. Uh, and I guess I'm also working on just sort of getting like churning out new material and like cycling out my set. If you watched me a year ago, I would have a totally different, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes even, which is cool. But, uh, I sort of want it to be, I get bored. I get bored really quickly. And I have a theory that jokes have an expiration date, even if we're not aware of it. And it's not like a timeliness thing. It's like a, you get sick of it. And so the audience gets sick of it. Um, so you need to keep writing. So that's what I'm working on. I've also, I got a pilot that I'm working on about cults, which I figured you'd be into cause horror. Uh, and it's like a, yeah, it's a send up of, of the cult genre. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, I, and for any, yeah, any comedian listening, yeah. Record every set that's Val just gave really important advice. And, um, I very early, I heard kind of a higher level comedian saying like all of your sets, unless you're looking for your video that you're going to 
send out to people, you know, all of your sets are content. And in the moment, I didn't understand that. And um, I've been trying to post a short a day since June and just gotten some really cool results. And like, it doesn't matter. Even if I bomb, I'm like, all right, this is content chum. And I'm going to post like Brian Stoops bombs, a super short little title. There's my content for the day. I posted at noon. Um, post bombing videos. <laughs> sure. It's, I, I got to get amazing. content now. Like what I love it. I, mean, you want to know something that's revolutionary to me. I, that's, that's amazing. It doesn't, it's, I got to post every day at noon. The shorter the title, the more views I get. Um, and then one other thing that I discovered, people are going to post mean comments, just post, thank you for your comment. I'm glad you enjoyed the video and trick the algorithm. I've been doing that. And then I I've had zero follow-ups. I know this is anecdotal. Nobody has written a follow-up comment. And then the algorithm's like, man, this guy's on top of it. So I, yeah, little, little. I, I might steal that, like, just hit it back to them being like, thank you so much. Like, I might steal that. Um, yeah. I get the meanest comments on YouTube. Where do you get the meanest comments? YouTube. YouTube. What's wrong yeah. with YouTube? Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. And and it all it all really doesn't matter. And I know everything. I'm like, you're probably a you probably work for the post office and you're never going to get up in front of a group of people in your entire life. I know all that. It still really yeah. sucks in the moment. But this that's my strategy. Thank you for your comment. I'm glad you enjoyed the video. Two sentences. Sometimes, I never sometimes you can kind of turn it around on them too. Like um, this one time this guy commented, uh, I had a video about being Jewish and he was like, stick to doing taxes. And I wrote back like, oh, buddy, I wish I knew how to do my taxes. Like, that's so nice. You think I know how to do taxes? <laughs> like, this is, my parents are going to be so excited. <laughs> and that comment got like a bunch of engagement. And so... You can, but I love just being dumb and being like, thank you. (laughs) Like like you didn't even read it. It's so funny. Nope. It's like perfect. Just troll them right back. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. No, I, I thank you. I appreciate it. The algorithm will note that I'm, I'm engaging with comments and we're moving on. I haven't had a single person uh, post then another response. That's amazing. Cause they, they don't, there's no point. If you're like, thanks brother. They're like, (laughs) what do they say to that? Maybe they legitimately think I'm that dumb. I don't, and I don't particularly care. So that's great. That's amazing. Uh, All right. Would you describe any positive milestone in your comedy experience? Yeah. uh, I think for me this year was pretty good. Um, I did the Baltimore comedy festival. So I went down there for a few days, did a few shows. I felt very comfortable traveling in the space, you know, um, just, I felt, I felt very comfortable. I feel like I felt very, even in the weird space, like I, I'll do shows on a beach. Like I don't give a fuck anymore. Nice. I've just really reached like a nice, I feel like people meet me and I'm, I'm still on the younger side for comedy. Like people sort of, sort of approach it in their late twenties or mid twenties maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so people sort of assume I've been doing it for two years, three years, four years, maybe. But I've been doing it so long that I'm so jaded and I don't, I just don't care. Like I, you can't make me care at all, at all. Uh, and so I guess the feeling like I'm sort of wielding that like a weapon <laughs> as I go to like Long Island for a show or 
Baltimore or where, where Albany, wherever I'm going, uh, has been really, really nice and feeling like um, my work is standing on its own feet. It's very cool. That is cool. So you were, I don't you... think I've like bombed, bombed at all this year. Like I've definitely jokes have bombed. Jokes always bomb. But like as a person, I don't think I've like I've had a set that really felt like shitty, <laughs> which is that, nice. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, were you, as far as Baltimore, were you there for the whole festival? So I had to come back for my, I had a Saturday show. Uh, Bomb Shelter also runs Saturday shows on the weekends in uh, in the summer uh, from like May to October, beginning of October. So I came back to run that show and then I went back to Baltimore. Luckily I had people who were able to put me up down there, which was really nice. Yeah. Uh, I just treated it like a little trip. It was a good time. Awesome. And then did you do the whole, did you, did you schmooze? Did you network or what, like, how did you manage your energy? <clears throat> no. <laughs> you like, oh, I, I didn't schmooze at all. I, I don't, I can't, I, I will never, I've never been good at that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I brought my laptop with me and I did some work backstage. I guess I talked to other comedians. That's not true. I found some people I could book on my show, which was nice. They schmoozed me, I guess is the answer. <laughs> but I did not, I, I wanted to just like eat my, my packed lunch and just shut the fuck up and go to bed after. So, you know, gotcha. I, don't, I, don't... I think you got to balance it. You're, you're doing so many shows in the evenings. You really just need to like not overload yourself socially. It's right. too much. Right. And the cool part about there's no like everybody's going to have their approach and their thoughts. And um, I was that show I did last night. I I was crashing by the time. I mean, the show started late. It started at 1045. I had flown in that morning like I didn't talk to anybody practically, which is good. Really, good. I'm happy for you. Like, guess what? Now you're telling me we're connecting because that's also how I like <laughs> to run shit. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, I didn't, and, and I didn't even have time to be up in my head like, oh, I should be talking to people. Like, no, I'm yeah. going to sit here. I need to stay awake. Um, yeah, you went. That's the important thing is you went. Yeah. So, and, you know. and the set went well. And yeah, That's great. So I hear that. Very cool. Also, I feel like, and on, the, on one more note on schmoozing, I do feel yeah. like when a comedian is funny and has a joke that makes me laugh, it doesn't feel like schmoozing anymore. So maybe I'm categorizing that a little bit differently. Yeah. So, you know, a comedian gets off stage and they had something really, really funny to say. I'll, I'll pull them aside and I'll be like, holy shit, yeah. that was so funny. Like you did so good. I don't know them, but I'm like, that was like that one joke is going to stick, stick in my head forever. And then, yeah. you know, it, who knows if they know who I am, but whatever. It's, it's no, easier I, when you actually care about what they're saying. Yes. And, and I might be, I might've led the witness incorrectly. Maybe schmoozing is... I, I was asking more about kind of your approach to managing your energy and other people and things like totally. that. Totally. That's kind of where. No, and, and approaching a festival, like where do you yeah. divert energy makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I was just curious, like kind of how in that space you were, you operated. And I agree as well. Like if somebody's legitimately funny, I don't care if they don't know who I am. Like I want to tell them like your bit about such, a, I love that. Like I, I agree. Oh yeah. Well, when you, when you did that last show um, of mine and you're, you were doing your exercise bit, I said, 
kettlebells and you were like, oh, that's just you hitting yourself in the dick, which like that, that was, it was just great. Like, I don't know if that was your stock kettlebell answer, but even if it was, that was I, I don't thank you. First of yeah. all, um, yeah. I don't remember if that was off the cuff. I do remember being like delighted that you had yelled out kettlebell. And I was like, oh yeah. Cause kettlebells are silly. Like you're going to hit yourself. Oh, it in is. The dick. Yeah. You look you ridiculous. Totally are. Yeah. Yeah. No, you no, look insane. No, <laughs> no that, that, that was one of those moments. That was a great, that was absolutely great. <laughs> thank you. Man. Um, yeah. Would you describe a time that you learned an important comedy lesson by having a negative experience? Oof. I would say on stage, I I'm, I learned a lesson of not doing comedy. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I'm frozen. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Your video is just stalled for a sec. Uh, let me try that again. There you go. You're back. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to forget that last answer uh, and just start over. Uh, a negative a negative experience. I haven't had any of those in comedy. It's really been just smooth sailing the whole time. No, I, don't know. Uh, I think one of the benefits of starting as early as I did is I bombed so much. And I bombed at such a critical age. I bombed at, like, when you're 17 and you bomb, it, you stay up at night, right? Like, you're having the worst time. Uh, but I bombed. I remember this one time as part of that like kids program I was part of, we went out to this uh, mall in New Jersey and we performed at this gigantic, like it wasn't a concert hall cause there was like bistro seating here. And, but it was huge. It was, it was like 300 people could sit there yeah. and there were seven people in the audience and they all sat up front and I just had the worst bombing of my entire life. Like, uh, like the, that's the worst I've ever done on stage. And I think just it's, I think it's important that you eat shit. I really do. I think everybody needs to eat shit a certain amount. I think that was like, I was coming off of a few years of eating shit, but I really like had a full serving that day and I kind of just stopped caring. I remember that day specifically, I kind of went home and I was like, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was fucking, who are, who went to that? Who were those people? <laughs> they think I'm, they think I'm the worst. <laughs> at this mall in new jersey there's seven people here nobody could do well with that crowd but like i especially did poorly so you just sort of you 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 shake off shake it off the next day and you're fine and you sort of live and learn that it's gonna happen and you should expect it to happen because it'll happen again can you can you characterize like what leads you to say that was the worst bombing you've ever experienced? What, what was it about that? Uh, it was one of those like really classic silence bombings. Just cold in the room. Like joke, 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 punchline, silence. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> should I give him another minute? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I think they I think they got the joke. I think the problem was the joke. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I think it's just embracing it. A lot of comics have strong reactions to not doing well. Uh, the meta commentary is so popular right now. I'm sure you've seen it where you're like, I guess that one was a little too risque for you guys, or like, oh, that one was too offensive for you guys. Or I kind of like it if it's like intermittent, if it's small. If you're having a great set, you one sucks. You're kind of like, okay, well, I'm not saying that one again. 
right. you'll get a laugh from the audience. Um, but if you're doing that after every single joke, which is what you see at open mics, it's like, I think it's all cheap. I think it's a little like the same joke over and over again. Uh, and I also think that it's kind of like defeats the purpose. Like yes. the point is to try. So yes. yeah, I don't know. Um, I like a little bit of meta commentary about how you're doing on stage bombing or not. You mm -hmm. should, but you should, you should expect it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of fuck you guys. That was funny. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst yeah. dude. Like it's, it's what, like 15 against one. Like right. who's, do you want to take a poll right. <laughs> or the, yeah, it's, it's the worst. Or like, I guess there's not a lot of, I guess there's not a lot of people on dating apps here. Of course there, everyone's on dating apps. The problem was the joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess a lot of people here are happily married. No, we're not. We're all miserable. We just also don't like the joke that you made about being single or whatever. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's incredibly cool that you went through that. And when you're saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth. When you're saying, I don't care. I'm perceiving that as there's certain things you, you authentically don't care about, but you also kind of, again, know where to put your care when it comes to your craft and your experiences and things like that. It, with, with that ability to let things kind of bounce off you based on experiences like that. Yeah, I would, I would say so. It's like, um, as most things are, it's a sort of uh, arms race of kindness. I don't know how to say this. It's like a, it's a recipro reciprocity thing. The audience sometimes paid a ticket. Sometimes they just bought a drink. <laughs> sometimes they just gave you some mozzarella sticks and you got on stage. Like whatever you're doing, the audience is giving you the gift of more importantly, their time. Yep. So it's up to you to honor that by trying. Mm-hmm. But if they're if they're talking amongst themselves, you don't have to try as much. If they're being dicks, you don't have to try as much. And then as a separate lesson, so that that exists, that is that is forever. If they showed up, give them your time. Reciprocity. They they went first, right? Uh, but and then separately is the spectrum of like, you're not gonna make everyone happy. There's gonna be people who don't like your jokes. Uh, that means that they're good. That means that they're specific. That means that they apply to people and not other people. And so there's, there's no way to make everyone happy. And also sometimes you're going to write a bad joke. Like sometimes you just also need to work on your shit. So, uh, going in expecting that while still trying. Awesome. I, I'm going to move on. Cause that's, yeah, can't, that's a incredibly articulate, insightful answer. So aside from maybe fame and monetary success, Please describe what a dream comedy comedy legacy would look like for you. Well, a lot of comics do do the sort of like their comics first and foremost, and then they also write pilots on the side or they are TV writers first and foremost, but then they do stand up at, you know, the improv every now and again. Uh, I would love either versions of that. I think because I'm not as much of a performer, I'm more of a writer. I would prefer the latter. Um, but as a comedian, I would love for my legacy to sort of be like prolific. I'd love to create a lot of content, uh, and for a lot of people, for people to have a lot to choose from. And I'd love to, I guess this is sort of a little, uh, this is a little like, uh, pseudo inspirational, but it's, uh, I think that there are some female comedians out there who sort of act as if they're not even 
female. They've transcended gender while still remaining their gender. Like there's a lot of people have a lot of feelings about this. Like the movie alien is a perfect example of all the roles were written for men and women. Like they were written gender neutral. So Sigourney Weaver could kind of go in and do whatever she wanted with that role. I'd love to approach comedy like that. I'd love to be someone who sort of talks about being female, but it's not like my only thing. Uh, And, you know, by virtue of like, we've gotten this far on the podcast and I haven't spoken about it at all. Like that's freedom to me. So I'd love to continue feeling free in that way uh, while still talking about the things that are interesting to me. So yeah, that's, that's what I want. Awesome. All right. I, I'm not, again, I'm not going to attempt to tack on or add on. Uh, I think that's authentically you. So uh, we're going to wrap things up. We have 10 minutes. Um, again, remind everybody of where, ooh, pardon me, where they can keep up with you, keep track of you. Anything else, again, that you want to remind people about that's coming up as far as promotion uh, and just to kind of send us out of the episode and wrap things up. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my last name is pronounced Bodertha. Bodertha. It's Welsh. Uh, I'm Jewish, so just sort of a weird name passed down and then somebody converted. Uh, so Val Badurtha, B-O-D-U-R-T-H-A, N-Y-C, and on Instagram. I'm also on YouTube where you can see my meanest comments about me, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, same. I'm also on TikTok. If you search Val Badurtha, you'll find me on any platform. I have a website. Eh, you could sign the Wax Paul Now petition. That's honestly my only CTA, really, is just like, please sign my Paul Giamatti petition. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's a bomb shelter comedy every Thursday at eight in hell's kitchen. Awesome. And I will make sure at least as far as YouTube and some other things that I have all of your links and everything. And, and so that that's readily available for people, uh, if they're watching this on something that is clickable, if not, um, you have all the info from, Val's lips. Uh, this has been a really great second episode of the 96 person bringer podcast. I want to thank Val for being the first ever guest. Once again, we just got that. I got that first episode done so that people could see the format and see it's a real thing. This is really in my mind, the first episode and I, again, not to be overly nice, Val, because people accuse me of that sometimes. This you is are. Exactly what I wanted. I wanted to sit down. You're the nicest guy I know who's into weapons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm short and you'd never suspected of me. So uh, that you it, have so many weapons. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I did not realize I was going to be the second episode. That's crazy. So thank you very much. That's really, really kind of you. This seriously, this worked out exactly the way I wanted it to work out. I enjoyed having you on those two shows. I enjoyed all of our behind the scenes chatting and messaging. Uh, I scoured your website a little bit and got an idea of your writing prowess. Now I know way more and uh, I knew you would be somebody with things to say. So this episode, once again, uh, kind of went exactly the way that I was hoping it was going to go. So uh, follow Val in everything that she's doing. If you're in the city, come out to the show. 
Um, next week I'm going to be on the show. So yeah, come this Thursday. Yeah. Come on out on Thursday. Um, I'm all over social media, Brian Stoops comedy, Brian spelled with a Y, you know, correctly. Um, Brian Stoops comedy.com and all those things. This episode will be available multiple places. I want to thank Val for being forever our very first guest and sharing her insight and her awesomeness. And this was everything I wanted out of an episode. So my plan is just to keep bringing very cool, insightful comedians that I've worked with and performed with uh, to the show. And you can kind of hear about their process and their insight and their thoughts. And uh, Val, thanks so much again. That was great. Thank you. Thanks. And we're going to end it here. For now, everybody, thanks. Take care. We'll see you on another episode very, very soon.